0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in
1: Tuscaloosa. What I do, how much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? Can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great that would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tight.
3: Hello, 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 and welcome to the Jay Barker Show. Jay's taking a few days off. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter at AVX. In just a little while, we'll be joined by the president of the Talladega Super Speedway, Brian Crichton. And then Mick Gillespie, our regular Monday guest, will be with us as well. But what another beautiful day. This is like eight in a row. We got a street going. I'll have to just jump out here and tell you, it's been a fabulous weekend. Talladega went as smooth as it's probably ever gone. Great racing, great crowd. Um, Alabama defeated my little piggies. This I'm okay. This is the one time I'm okay with Arkansas losing. And in my Atlanta Braves, just sent the Mets packing back to New York, swept them in three two up. We're going to win the division with one more victory. Lars, so, I guess you can oh, tell I'm pretty happy. Overall, you're, you're a happy guy this yeah. morning and, uh, going to go see the grand Kansas afternoon. So, All right. I mean, this just a perfect day. How are you? I'm doing good.
4: Doing good. Um, You know, my my weekends revolve around my little kids, my twin girls five and and Lincoln seven. Lincoln had a uh, a flag football game uh, uh, on Saturday morning, rushed for two touchdowns over 100 yards, had 10 tackles. And Matt, he had a pick six. First pick awesome. six, first pick six in, in the league. Pick six, seven, no, yeah, seven, seven. yeah, wow. had a pick six, and uh, and he called his shot. He told the coach just told him to knock it down before the play, go after the ball and try to knock it down. Like, and it's like, no, I'm going to catch it. Uh, so that was a real highlight. But uh, man, I, uh, observations uh, from Alabama's 49-26 win over Arkansas. I think uh, obviously one. Until proven otherwise, Alabama's still the team to beat. I mean, in the SEC West, we knew that. Uh, And uh, we're going to go right to Tuscaloosa and the Mount Moore building. Nick Saban is on the mic.
1: A lot different than I did after the game. You know, we did a lot of really good things. You know, in this game, made a lot of explosive plays offensively. Um, Did a good job of creating balance, uh, run and pass. You know, defensively, we played really well, you know, for the first, you know, couple quarters of the game. Um, But really, you know, we lost our intensity uh, in the third quarter. I had a disastrous third quarter relative to statistics, relative to errors in the kicking game, relative to field position, time of possession. You know, whatever you want to talk about, Um, but have to give the team a lot of credit for, gaining the resiliency to, you know, come back and play really well in the fourth quarter, uh, which was, you know, really the difference in the game. So a lot of lessons to be learned here. uh, And hopefully our players will um, learn that. I think we had the right mindset playing on the road. We started out the game really, really well. I don't think we sustained it like we need to. uh, And, you know, that's the next step of what we need to learn. But, you know, Texas A&M, uh, has a really, really good team. Um, these guys have a lot of good players. Um, you know, Jimbo does a really good job of coaching them. Um, they A lot of challenging, you know, things on offense has always been the case with him being a really, really good offensive coach and play caller. Uh, they got some very explosive players on offense. You know, Evan Stewart's a really good receiver. A-Chain, um, eight, eight I think I'm saying his name correctly, number six is really an explosive player. Uh, not only as a returner, but as a runner and a receiver. I mean, this guy is a very, very talented guy. Um, so they've got a really, really good offensive team. Uh, they've got a really good defensive team, uh, one of the top defensive teams in you know the SEC. They've got really good specialists. Um, so you know, this is a really good team all the way around. And you know, what happened in last week's game is not going to have any effect on what happens in this game um, you know, we could go say it was the same situation a year ago uh they're going to play really well against us and we got to be ready to play our best, you know, as a team to be able to take advantage of it. I know you're interested in the injury situation. really, there's no updates on Bryce, you know, he's got a little bit of a shoulder injury. it's not a long-term, you know type injury. Uh, he's going to be day to day when he can get back to, you know throwing um and we'll just have to evaluate it day to day so i can i can't tell you if that's going to be today tomorrow or the next day um you know brian branch uh, should not going to practice today but should be okay uh, after today uh justin a uh, uh, is um he's got a neck injury that we're having specialists look at uh, to make sure we manage correctly and we're not going to allow him to play until we can you know get the exact most expert plan of action uh for him and his future Chase.
0: I wanted
3: to follow up with you on something you mentioned in the post game on Saturday about Kool-Aid going in kind of as an emergency star. What kind of a growth experience can that be for him? And also from a coaching standpoint, now that he's had that live exposure, does it make sense to give him some basic training in case the need comes up again?
1: Yeah, well, you know, we we trained him, and uh, I guess I wasn't totally specific or wasn't trying to be dishonest, but we, we trained him in fall camp. Um, to be able to do this so it wasn't like he's never done it before uh, we just hadn't practiced them because we thought we had three capable stars uh jaquez robinson you know not being available for the game because of an injury left us two and both of them went down in the game so um yeah well we if we have three i'm fine with that um but if we need to we will train him some at that position you know kool-aid's a really bright guy he's very smart he understands football so it's not really hard he's not one of those guys that need a whole bunch of reps to be able to play a different position because he has a pretty good understanding of the concept and um so but we will it's one thing to know
5: you're one snap away from entering the game as a starting quarterback, but what, how do you think that Jalen uh, handled that transition from going to, from the bench to the game?
1: Well, you know, we try to put him in other games so he gets the opportunity to play, so it's not the first time he ever goes in a game. Um, but, I, you know, hopefully that's what you try to do is prepare guys so when they get an opportunity, you know, they're ready to play. Uh, that's why you try to get guys Really good game experience. So if they have to play, they feel more comfortable going into the game. Um, but you, you, you'll have to ask him how he felt. I, I can't answer that question. I just know as a coach, what we try to do to prepare him so that they feel like at least psychologically, they're in the right place to go out there and read things and make the right choices and decisions. It's why we practice. It's why we give guys experience. And we've been fortunate that, you know, Jalen got a pretty good bit of experience, you know, in these first few games.
6: After
4: the game, you talked about the blocking being good on those long runs in the fourth quarter, but what'd you think of the offensive line's
6: performance as a whole on the road?
1: Yeah, well, they did a good job uh, in this game, especially. I think this was the best game we've played. I think they've shown improvement every week. Uh, I think that's important. Um, I, I think that, you know, you're talking about a team that had, um Fifteen sacks, you know, going into the game, led led the uh, the league in sacks. And they say, yeah, they got one sack. I guess it must have been on Bryce's scramble. He must have lost a half an inch or something on that play. But I thought they did a great job in pass protection, too, against some pretty good pass rushers and a pretty good pressure scheme. So NM's uh, starting quarterback also had a bit of an injury in their last game. How do you prepare as a defense when you're not sure who the quarterback is going to be throughout the week? Well, I, I mean, we, we've seen a little bit of both guys. Uh, we don't really know what the circumstances of the situation, but um, we, we have to prepare for both guys. I mean, we do this a lot, especially when the skill set of the two guys is a little bit different. Uh, we have no, no way of knowing if you know, 13 plays, if they're going to do something different with him. Um, we just have to prepare for what we know they've done in the past and be ready to, to adjust in a game if there's something different.
7: Yes, Coach, I was wondering, uh, it seems like all good teams at some point in the season have a really tough game, uh, and even if you win it, it's. do you get something out of that and intangible later on, or is uh, is there any record of that, I guess, that you would say you do or don't?
1: Well, I, I would say that, you know, we've only had, what, two teams around here in 15 years that um, have gone undefeated. That didn't mean that the teams that lost a game uh, necessarily didn't have, in some cases, the same amount of success as the other. All right, the question is, Is do you need to lose a game to learn? Do you need to lose a game to get it right? You need to lose a game to say it's important to practice the right way, do things the right way, take care of myself the right way. Um, you know, the middle of the season is not the time to think about getting rest. You know, you rest at the end of the season. All right. You, the season is a grind. Um, practice is a grind. Preparation is a grind mentally and physically on players, but you got to make a choice. Are you going to grind through that and continue? Or do you can you learn from the lessons when you win as well as when you lose? Or do you have to lose to learn the lessons? And I think that's a dynamic that um, every team has to prove that they can continue to do these things over the course of the season.
5: You had mentioned on Saturday that Bryce had a few of this, a few types of these injuries before. How did you guys kind of handle that in the past?
1: Well, there's nothing nothing to handle. What you want me to handle? I mean, only thing I would tell Bryce is don't put yourself in a bad position. He could have thrown the ball away before, and he could have just let the guy tackle him. In either case, he probably wouldn't have an issue. All right, but putting himself in the awkward position of trying to throw the ball on his way down and then, you know, landing the way he did, you know, just try to avoid those kind of circumstances and situations for any injury. But again, that's just a it's not a criticism. It's a teaching moment I right, that players have to learn. And the thing about great competitors, and Bryce is a great competitor, is they always want to make a play. They're they're gonna to go to the last nth degree to make a play Uh, but sometimes you got to know when there's no play to be made and now it's time to not put myself at risk
3: you've talked about jalen merrill's
4: unique skill set just given that is there a thought of maybe putting a package together for
1: him regardless of bryce's injury status we already have one so Uh, okay. do, you want us to put a new one together now, just because he might play or use the old one. I mean, we can do either one. I mean, I, I'll I'll go talk to the offensive coaches and see.
3: About
1: to more often, then. Um. Again, you know, I don't talk to Jimbo on a regular basis, but I'll call him and tell him right after the conference if you want me to. I mean, you you guys think I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with our offense and our team? You, you, you might as well make it up. I, I saw today where there's headlines in the paper that, you know, I'm going to keep it a secret what we're going to do with Bryce. I'm, that's It sounded like me making that statement. But it re, I've never said that. But it, it was there in black and white. Like, so you can make up whatever you want to make up. You know, look at somebody else's running quarterback and say they should put these plays in think that'd be a better way to do it.
7: Hey, Coach, uh, Kool-Aid, local guy. You can tell he really loves his family. And it really seems like ever since high school, he's really dedicated himself to being the best football player he can be. Uh, you can teach a lot of things, but you can't necessarily teach that. Just talk about Kool-Aid's character.
1: Yeah, Kool-Aid is uh, very competitive, uh, very smart guy, uh, he's a hard worker. Uh, kind of understands what it takes uh, to be successful, does a really good job of applying uh, techniques uh, and trying to do things the right way. Um, and I, I think that has played, you know, well for us so far this season uh, done a really good job on the pump return, but I think the pump return team has done a really good job of executing as well. Um, but I think, You know, these kinds of guys that have this kind of competitive character are smart, uh, make good choices and decisions in the game, whether it's what technique to use, the guy I'm covering, how do I need to do it? Uh, All those things enhance a guy's ability to be successful. And, um, you know, Kool-Aid does that extremely well. Hi, Coach. So social media has changed, you know, the level of college football and just the game in general and obviously if we talk about just you touch today on headlines i want to know when you have those moments and obviously this happened in the off season but when you have those moments when there's all this criticism and outside noise how have you learned to handle that when this noise has gotten so loud and how do you help your players navigate those distractions as it only becomes worse well obviously you know at times we haven't handled it very well Because, you know, I was talking about Rat Poison last year when we played this game. Nobody would listen. Players wouldn't listen. You all didn't listen. Um, They had lost the week before. We were big favorites. It was like no big deal to show up for this game. Go play the next game. And um, I don't get affected by it because I don't listen to you all. I really don't have any interest in what anybody thinks about any of this stuff. I do have an interest in how it affects and impacts the players on our team. Uh, And I think it does. And I think they have to show maturity in how they manage it and know that external opinion, external noise, whatever you want to call it, rat poison, whatever it is, absolutely has nothing to do with the outcome of the game. Just like fans have nothing to do with the outcome of the game. They don't block. They don't tackle. They don't catch passes. They don't make sacks. All they do is make noise, and if you want to take them out of the game, just play well, execute, and then they won't be there. They'll leave. So these are external factors that cannot affect how you think as a competitor in terms of respecting winning, respecting what you have to do to win, and how important it is, knowing that we're going to get the other team's best game. Because they can all get well beating us. So that's how I try to handle it. Does anybody listen? Sometimes, sometimes not.
3: Uh, Just on uh, one of Jameer's long touchdown runs yesterday, or Saturday, um, they were blocking to the right and then a cutback lane opened up. How would you say that blocking, or can you describe how that blocking sets it up? to where he's able to see a cutback lane and go and burst through it and
1: go and score a long touchdown. Well, I think that's a sign of a really good running back is you help the offensive line by how you stretch the play, press the hole, whatever it is, so that you you lead them to their blocks. Right? Then when people overplay the blocks or get hooked, you stick your foot in the ground and hit it. All right? And that's what he did on both of his runs. That's what he does very well. Whether it's an inside run or an outside run. So uh that's part of being a good back. It's not just take the ball and run it. I right? you 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 have to understand how are we blocking this play? How do I set these blockers up? I right, so that they have a best chance to succeed at their blocks, all right, which these plays were well blocked. He did a great job of running these plays, stretching, finding a seam and cutting. So you're trying to cut the defense some kind of way. All right, so you got these guys playing outside. You cut these guys off. You press it, and that's where you try to hit it, and that's what happened. All right, thank you.
3: Back on the Jay Barker Show. Nick got a little feisty there, Lars. We got little, a lot to talk about. Little feisty.
4: I haven't uh, heard him with that much edge in his voice or seen him that animated in probably over a year and a half, two years. Um, you know was that. It that the COVID you know what that year means? when he got
3: angry several times.
4: I, I, don't, I That may not have know? been it because they were perfect. I think perfect you, you got to go back a little, little Before farther COVID. than that. Yeah. Let's get on it's the other basically side. Basically the let, same. Let's talk same about problem. an agitated Nick Saban means what? Let's get
3: into well, that. Only you and I would know. Also, got to talk a little Talladega here, baby. It's great. Have you, have
4: you ever been on the business end of a Nick Saban rant? Yeah. You the,
3: mean the has business it been end? directed at, at you. me? Yeah. No, I have not.
4: All right. Me neither. Well, that's not you true. Know, I have. You
3: know, you know why I don't. Uh, we can answer that question on the other <laughs> side, too. All right. We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. The best sports talk in the state. Tide
0: 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Oh, oh,
8: oh, O'Reilly. It's superstar Battery Month at O'Reilly Auto
0: Parts. Get up to a $25 gift card after a mail-in rebate with a purchase of... Sunny both days. Highs will stay close to 80. And Thursday, warm and dry with a good supply of sunshine. The high at 83. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 74 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: I can't hear the song. <laughs> On Saturday Night With, Live. And, and Chris yeah. walking was funny as heck in Yeah. What yeah. we need is more cowbells.
4: So uh, we are going to dig deep into Nick Saban's press conference and everything he said and the manner in which he said it. Uh, very interesting. Very interesting. This is yeah. a different Nick Saban than we have seen, uh, certainly all of this year, where. Uh, essentially, he has just been giving glowing reports after glowing report every press conference. And, and there is definitely edge to his voice, uh, you know, kind of going off a little bit uh, on different subjects. But Matt, uh, and I, we got to make this a quick, quick uh, segment we'll get here. here with Mick. Yeah. Um, but Nick Saban, he wore a, a polo shirt with a Masters logo on it. And you re- remember uh, during the offseason when Jimbo Fisher who Alabama is going to be playing here in 5 days Jimbo Fisher said that Texas A&M was going to beat Alabama's quote but when asked in the offseason Nick Saban joked what in golf and then he shows up wearing the masters you are
3: collecting <laughs> and
4: that is like that is
3: next level trolling you connected a lot of dots there. I'm not sure I would have gotten that wrong. I don't know. Perhaps. No, that's intentional. Is
4: anything a coincidence?
3: Just as His rant, I don't, his rant was look, intentional, too. He's trying to keep the rat poison away from the players because everybody thinks that they're just going well, they to feed you-know-what out of A&M. To, they
4: just rose to number one.
3: Yeah. So, um, yeah,
4: I mean, that's uh, apparently it's rat poison.
3: I don't know. I'm not sure I can differentiate between what is and what isn't rat poison. What's what's catnip and and what's rat poison? Hey, we're going to talk some racing uh, in the next segment with Brian Crichton, the Talladega Super Speedway.
7: built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800 448-1962. Four four eight nineteen sixty two. 1962 That's 800 And just for listening, go to dot and order anything you want and type in J. Barker for a special discount code. That's J. Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on the J. Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at dot
9: Cottage.com. Letter O He was a man. He was handsome. And she was
3: Welcome back to the Jay Barker Show. Jay's she taking little time off. You got, got your other the two handsome. here, Matt Schultz along with Lars Anderson. Being joined now. The president of the Talladega Superspeedway, Brian Crichton. Brian, it's Matt and Lars. How are you today? Tired?
10: Hey, Matt and Lars. I'm, I'm great, especially after a, uh, a weekend like we just had.
3: I don't know that I ever remember, and I've been doing this. I've been over there
10: 40 years now.
3: I don't remember Mother Nature ever cooperating like it did.
10: I mean it was just uh what do they call it a convention and visitors bureau or chamber of of uh, commerce weather yeah. uh, this entire weekend and so uh you know again our, our uh you know thoughts and uh you know prayers go out to uh those that were impacted down in uh in Florida um and, and you know we hate to see uh you know damage like that anywhere but um you know we we're very very fortunate to have a weekend like we did in, in the racing that we did here at Talladega this past weekend.
4: Brian, did the uh crowd meet your expectations in terms of uh how many people got out and uh came to Talladega this weekend?
10: Yeah, we are extremely pleased with uh all aspects of the uh the guests that came out to Talladega Super So twenty seven hundred R V spots in our infield completely sold out. Uh forty five suites completely sold out uh we were up uh in our uh grandstands by over 10% compared to uh last year. Uh Talladega Garage Experience, we had our highest numbers uh ever uh inside of Talladega Garage Experience and just the atmosphere and the excitement and just uh it was just a, an unbelievable weekend here. Um it's going to be hard to match this one but we're going to uh we're going to aim to do that in April and October of next year.
3: Do you get numbers on Monday? I mean, and the only time I've read attendance figures to at Talladega, it has been estimated by the state troopers. So did you get anything on that just out of curiosity?
10: So it company policy, we don't, uh, release, uh, actual num- like the actual numbers that we have, but I can tell you, we were, uh, about over 150,000, uh, estimated here on property, uh, uh throughout the weekend.
3: That's just uh, that's what you like to hear. It's uh, it's coming back. COVID tried to take you down, but it just didn't work. Hey, um, how big a win was that for Chase Elliott in the overall scheme of playoffs and so forth?
10: Uh, yeah, I mean, you, anytime you can win at Talladega, anytime you win at any of the playoff races that knocks you into that next round, I, I think it is huge. And uh, you know, for for Chase to. to you know, pull pull around on that last lap and uh, and and get the win. You know, obviously, you know, bumps him into uh, the round of eight and doesn't have to uh, you know really think about the roval next week. I guess he can just kind of relax a little bit. I'm sure that uh, you know, as the racer that he is, he won't. And you know, with the, the with the way he races at uh, road courses, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win two in a row. But uh, you know, it's always great to get momentum too. And and uh, you know, I think that that the the momentum that he's gaining is uh, just as important, if not even more, than the win.
4: Uh, Brian, have you ever had a chance to uh, uh, just, you know, on a on a Saturday night before a Sunday race, get in a golf cart and just kind of go out and interact with the fans, go to the outer fields? Uh, I mean, I, I've got some fun stories uh, from, you know, my time of covering NASCAR, of going out and uh, interacting with fans at, at Talladega and uh just in the follow up to that is just just if you can uh walk us through how hectic your your weekend is
10: yeah it's um you know i'm i'm not the type of person that uh sits down and uh just uh kicks back uh you know i think matt can tell you too since matt is a uh Pretty much a resident out here uh, throughout uh, all of uh, our event weekends. Uh, um, I, I just I, I like to be on my feet. I like to be out and about. Uh, whether it's uh, you know in Talladega Garage experience during the day, whether it's walking the concourses, uh, seeing how the uh, concession lines are doing, uh, meeting and greeting and talking to fans. Um, I have um, a special uh, coin. That we create, there's only 500 of them made, and they're uh, numbered one through 500. So I go out and I look for fans, um, you know, that are, are big fans of the sport. Uh, most of the times it's kids that I like to, uh, you know, present with these coins just to say thank you, thank you for being a fan. And um, but yes, I'll go out on Saturday night and I'll go out on Friday night and uh, do the concert, do the uh, uh, rodeo, uh, the and of course walk down the boulevard as well. Um, so yes, I'm I'm always out and about. Um, I, I probably should check my Steps from this past uh, week weekend because uh, I'm sure I'm sure they're way up there.
4: What's the craziest thing you saw this weekend?
10: Well, you know what they say: what happens on the boulevard stays on the boulevard. So I'm not <laughs> sure if I can tell you. I think the, ro- the rodeo, the rodeo on Friday night is so much fun, and it since it's a new element, it is just. Yeah, it you know that's one of the things that just sticks out, and I think because it's new, and and you know just the the crowd just gets so amped up around it. Um, they had a couple, you know, not only the bull riding, but they they had some games in between, and it's just a lot of fun. And I tell you, the uh, the the rodeo clowns or the you know the the guys that try to get the bulls' attention once the the rider gets uh, bucked off. I mean, those guys are crazy. I mean, they're absolutely crazy, but it is so much fun to watch. So much fun to watch. They're very athletic.
3: I mean, there's no question the way they twist, turn, and run and jump. They're
10: fun to watch. Uh, I think if I had had a big old bull running after me, I was going to say, I think if I had a big (laughs) old bull running after me, I might be able to twist and run (laughs) and jump like that, too. You you turn.
3: (laughs) You turn into Carl Lewis in a, in a heartbeat. Um That's right. Who came up with that idea? Did you come up with that? Let's let's put some credit here. Let's give some
10: credit. No, no, I who I wanted I did to not put come a rodeo. Yeah, I did not come up with that. So we have a, gr- a tremendous partner in Sparks, um uh, Sparks Energy. They're actually yeah. a power line restoration company is their main business. So they're down in Florida right now helping to, you know, um you know uh, the power line restoration there. Um they also have a side business and and it's it's called Ride the Lightning Rodeo Tour. Um, so as they came back as our entitlement partner last October uh, for the Sparks 300, they said, "Hey, we have this idea. We'd like to run by you." And when they they uh, you know told us about it, we said, "We'd love to do it, but not sure NASCAR risk is going to allow us to do it." But sometime, somehow we were able to get NASCAR legal and risk on board, and uh, boy, I'm glad we did because it's just been uh, two amazing shows, and um, you know we hope to continue it uh, in the future.
3: You know, when you think about it, that's a pretty good match. Uh, there's a lot of common ground. If, if you pr- like watching uh, the races, you probably like watching rodeos. And you probably like watching college football. And I love Saturday nights It's a brilliant yeah, idea.
4: And I've never heard of it at, at another track before. And, uh, yeah, I, it's an
3: inspired idea, Matt. No question. There, uh, there are a lot of things that you don't hear about at other tracks uh, <laughs> that, that you know that's happening in Talladega. And, it's hey, it's all good. I love I love the way people act over there. They may get a little crazy, yeah. but they don't get stupid. You know? For the yeah. most part, I don't, yeah. Yeah. I don't see fights. I don't see people doing crazy, you know, I'm going to injure my body type stuff,
4: so. This is a media question for you. Was Mike Bolton out there cooking for for uh, the media?
10: Unfortunately, Mike had uh, I think it was knee surgery. And so he was not oh, here. Man. So the tradition of the pork chops, um, but it's coming back. Oh. It's coming back as we hear he's doing okay. well. But um, the tradition of the pork chops uh, it was not here this past weekend only because uh, Mike and, and um, you know, was, was unfortunately uh, had to go through some surgery. Um, but uh, it will be back in April, that's for sure. The tradition will be back.
4: Well, that was always the culinary highlight oh, of yeah. going from track to track to track. Uh, was Bolton's, uh, uh, pork chops. And then also, um, usually the, uh, lobster and shrimp at New Hampshire international. I got to say that. that was, well, no, uh, that's not bad. Too. Yeah.
3: I, I uh, yeah. that makes sense. I was unaware they did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I was too.
10: I might hey, have Brian. to be in New Hampshire next year. Yes.
3: <laughs> no kidding. Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> Brian, are you catching up on your rest yet?
10: Uh, that'll start about Thursday. So we just we're okay. so amped up. We just get so much uh, you know, adrenaline running through our bodies and just uh, you know, uh, you know through the event weekend and and you know, now we 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 get to you know, look back at the weekend and just en- enjoy and realize what, you know, the team here uh was able to accomplish. Um but yeah, about Thursday, all that kind of starts to run out of your body and uh I kind of go through a post-event depression, so to speak. Um but it's um <laughs> yeah, we're we're already uh, talking about April next year and, and how we make things better um you know we'll recap uh, all departments we'll recap the you know whole entire event weekend and uh we will make changes to even make uh, april and october of next year even better um, because we never stand still we always want to grow we always want to be better
4: this is a question i've always wanted to ask uh different track presidents but especially talladega um how long does cleanup take what what are the logistics behind uh, just just you know, having that sheer amount of people there, uh, both inside the track, outside the track, how long does that take to get everything back to where you want it to be?
10: Uh, it, it, it'll take just about a week, believe it or not. I mean, it's it's, it's pretty quick. Um, we do allow our campers to stay until noon today. Um, so at noon today is you know when we um, ask them to uh, you know to, to start to head back. Now we I, I think everybody knows too. We've um, we opened up our campgrounds to some Florida evacuees um, that have come up. Um And so what we're doing right now, too, if they need to stay extra, we're not, you know, sending them out. We actually are moving them all into one campground that we have that has power, water, and a shower house, too, so they have those amenities. Um, so we're we're um, moving them to, to that. But the, uh, the, the cleanup crew, uh, they get after it pretty quickly. Um, you know, we've got, you know, obviously the uh, food and beverage companies and, um, you know, others that are um, cleaning up uh, you know what they need to, but yeah, by this Friday, uh, we should be back to relatively normal. We do have an event coming up this uh, weekend. Uh, it's more of a, uh, kind of a, you know, um, an RV show, uh, not open to the general public, but you know, we've got to get it ready for them.
3: All right. Well, busy as always. I hear your phone ring. I'll let you get back to it. It's a pleasure to work with you and thank you for being on. Thank you so much.
10: well, thank you guys. Uh, you know, really appreciate, uh, you know, being on with you guys. And, uh, Matt, we always love having you out here. You are a uh, family member out here at, at uh, Talladega Super Speedway and we appreciate all you do for us.
3: Well, and that's exactly what it feels like, and that's exactly the way it works out, too.
10: Thank you, Brian. Tell everybody we said hey. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Lars. Thanks, Matt.
6: Thanks, Lars.
3: Thank you. Uh, does everybody have the same ringtone? Is that your ringtone? No. Mine's always on vibrate. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I I'm an old man. I forget occasionally. And the minute I heard that, when I thought it was my phone,
4: I know I saw you. Uh, I you're like,
3: like, oh my, oh my god, my phone. Phone. Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no! They do a great job, and and I think about just you know, on my golf cart driving around, and looking and seeing. I think, ah, okay, somebody's got to be in charge of that right there. And then I'll drive by something else. Somebody else got to be in charge of. It. How do you? Corral all of those different entities. I mean, from security to water to bathrooms to porta pots to feeding. You feed the press box here in the infield. It's there's a lot, and used, uh, especially I, when the I, property's that large.
4: I'm not going to go into you know the the one thing that I've seen at Talladega that in the outfield that will stick has stuck with me. I I have discussed it on air before, but. Um, for the most part, I'd say ninety nine point nine percent of the fans they get along great. I mean, it's yeah, it, 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 it is like uh, going to a, a Grateful Dead show, you know, where like everybody is just uh, but in the, but the uh, you know the, the 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 blank of choice is is Budweiser, the, um, not something
3: else. The, the, <laughs> well, that's true, but, uh, well, maybe they should play there. Okay, now that would be an interesting mix. All right, we're going to be
5: right back on the Jay Parker Show.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. 1225 Sports Bar is the place to be on the strip for your ultimate game day experience. 1225 Sports Bar is located two blocks
0: from Bryan Denny Stadium. Come meet our staff and enjoy some great food and body both days. Highs will stay close to 80. And Thursday, warm and dry with a good supply of sunshine, the high at 83. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 75 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: Jay Barker Show. Jay is taking some time off this week. Lars Anderson is with us. I'm Matt Coulter. You got Hardy, you got Josh, you got Joe, and a host of others that help guide this show. Um, Through our Birmingham affiliates, Tuscaloosa, and really all across the state of Alabama. We appreciate uh, you folks that are listening. and uh, Tell some other folks well as well. What you got, Lars? We got a couple of minutes before we go. Yeah, uh, just Sort
4: of recapping the most important information of the day uh, that came from Nick Saban and his uh, regularly scheduled press conference on Monday at noon is that Bryce Young uh, is day to day as he recovers from a shoulder injury. And Saban re- reiterated that the injury, which is a uh, sprained AC joint uh, that he suffered when uh, he basically he was rolling to the right and um, just tried to get rid of the ball and, and, and uh, as it, getting close to out of bounds and uh, his arm was extended when he got tackled. And uh you could tell that his, his shoulder took a, a a pretty big pretty big impact hit there and and I, I thought saban said something interesting the the reason that Bryce Young got hurt is because he was trying to make something kind of happen out of nothing, right He was trying to mitigate a, a loss and and um, and and you, you see that happen often with quarterbacks, not just uh, at the high school level, not at the collegiate level, and not just and and even at the uh, NFL level, where it's it's when they're trying to extend the play, uh, and and try to make something happen is when something bad happens to the quarterback. I mean, and I'll even go back to to Drew Brees uh, when he was with San Diego Chargers. Uh, there was a fumble on a, I think on a handoff or a fumble, and he tried to, to jump into the pile to, uh, to get the ball. And that's when some, uh, huge, uh, D lineman essentially landed on his shoulder. And, uh, that basically ended his career with not in in his career, sorry, ended his time with the chargers. And, uh, and that was when, uh, you know had changed sort of history and we all know that that Nick Saban wanted to sign Drew Brees when he was at Miami and uh the doctors said no because they thought the shoulder was too messed up and Brees would never be the same and then he goes to New Orleans and wins a Super Bowl and you know the rest is history uh Nick Saban ends up coming to Alabama but uh, sort of the bigger picture, too. So, so Bryce Young, he's gonna resume throwing. Uh, Nick Saban said he didn't know if it's gonna be today, tomorrow, or the next day. Uh, my gut interpretation of this is that uh, I don't know, it's probably 50 50 whether or not Bryce Young plays on Saturday. It just, uh, I think it's just gonna determine. Uh, or be determined by how Bryce Young responds to treatment, and um, and uh, and 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 just you know how he's going to feel on Thursday and Friday. Um, but uh, Jalen Milroe played really, really well. Um, and uh, again, we're going to get this with Mick Gillespie, who's going to be uh, joining us uh, at the top of the next hour for uh, for two segments. And uh, but but Nick Saban was on edge. This uh, he, he hasn't been sort of this uh, cranky at a news conference for a long time, and I think a lot of it is because guess who's coming into town? The guy, Kimbo, the, the A&M. guy, yeah, the A and M. And I know oh, A and M has been a wild disappointment this year, but um, uh, <laughs> Nick Saban was uh, he wasn't happy at the press conference today put it mild.
3: No, and uh his rant went uh towards the media and then he also uh say the fans. He said they don't matter either. Yeah, he went and a little I bit too he far went... there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um he may regret that
0: one. I don't know. He beats Texas A and M, nobody's gonna care. We'll be back.
1: That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tight.
2: Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show.
3: Show. Jay is taking a few days off. Lars is in the studio. By the way, Charlotte's in the studio. Charlotte, you want to be heard? Probably shouldn't get her all cranked up. Charlotte is our uh, mascot, our uh, dog. It's actually Lars' dog. Cabapoo. Cabapoo. what you say? Cabapoo. Cabapoo. Cava. poo. Is it C-A-V-A-P-O-H oh. or oh. P-O-O? I don't know. You have a dog and you don't even know the <laughs> the bird? I think it, it, yeah I do what? I know no, you know the, you've had know it had a, Ted was one of these wasn't
4: he No Ted was a toy poodle Okay and uh Frenchie was a cockapoo And you know, this is a cavapoo um and she loves to bolt
3: Have you ever tried to uh catch a cornered rabbit yeah. Um yeah I have I used to, we used to have a rabbit But fortunately we Kept feeding and feeding him, and he, he lost a lot of his <laughs> speed. Yeah, uh, but well, anyway, people tuning in here to talk about uh, college football, and we're two old men talking <laughs> about dogs. Yeah. Mick, you want to chime in on that? How's your puppies?
5: Well, you guys should ask me that. Uh, John John Edenstock had emergency surgery on Friday. Uh, cost me a bundle of money, but he's doing all right today. So you love these animals. You That's just good. you, know, you got to protect them, and hopefully he won't even stop.
3: Well, let's talk some college football. Just give us your quick assessment of uh, what happened in Fayetteville Saturday afternoon. And uh, what do you know that nobody else does about Bryce?
5: Well, first off, you know, the game turned out the way that I thought it would. I mean, I said Arkansas uh, would have trouble with Alabama's defense and Alabama would cover. But I didn't expect it to turn out like that. Uh, I don't think any of us did. You know, um. Nick Saban seemed irritated at the press conference today, a little angry, and I think that he's ready for this football game. Um, he's uh, he's definitely sending a message to his team that it's you know that it's, it's this time of year where you got to forget about your you know how tired you are and get ready to to go out there and play good football. But we we found out that Jalen Melrose is fast and that he can run. You know, I'm I'm curious to see what he's he would do against a team that's team keep him in the pocket and throw the football and we might not have to see that you know depending on what's going to happen with Bryce but I, my gut feeling is Bryce Young's not going to play this week and does that mean that all we see is Milrow or do we see some side Simpson um you know I'm definitely curious I don't think that Alabama's going to tip us off to that because you know it makes Texas A&M have to prepare for both teams I mean you know but for both quarterbacks but um I was really impressed with Alabama's resilience, uh, resilience in the fourth quarter. After that punt had led to a touchdown, and they just about blew a 28-point lead. To come back and make big plays and dominate the fourth quarter and win the football game easily, um, uh, without Bryce Young, I think that goes to show just how good Alabama is and you know what makes Nick Saban the best that's ever done it.
4: Mick, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think we will see Bryce Young either on Saturday just because I, I think the staff and the, the, the medical staff, they're going to err on the side of caution because Bryce just simply has too much to lose. And I do believe that this is the kind of injury, a sprained AC joint that actually can get worse if uh, not fully healed and you get back out on the field. So that brings us to Jalen Milroe. Overall, what was your assessment of him? I mean, we we knew heading into this game that 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 he can run, right? And uh, and probably the most gifted running quarterback we've seen at Alabama, perhaps in the Saban era. I, I don't know if that's going too far. I think he probably is better uh, at running than uh, than uh, Jalen was. But uh, what did you see just from his throwing, his mechanics, his accuracy? Uh, what if the run game gets stuffed on Saturday against A and M, and Jalen Milrow is forced to beat that Aggie defense with his arm?
5: Yeah, I'm trying to figure. I mean, through one game, is he better than Blake Sims? Was it running? Was he better than Andrew Zal? Uh, definitely, Jalen Hurts through one game. It was super impressive uh, because he's so fast. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's like, he he did complete passes you know he did throw the ball a little bit but it, it didn't look easy you know and uh and and that's the thing to me that I'm I'm curious about you know I mean how is he going to do when the whole game plan is going to be keep him in the pocket you know Kentucky and him even do that um and maybe he gets back there and, and and rips off some passes and it's no big deal but that's that's definitely what the you know what going into this game they're going to be looking at and I felt bad well, you know, it looked like Arkansas never even thought about that possibility. And, uh, you know, he took advantage of it. It was great. It was great to see uh, JoJo Earl back in the game, catch a touchdown. And you know what? I mean, with all that said, Milro took over. It was like 14-0. It's just not like he came in there and was, you know, a like stick in the mud. So, I, I don't know. I guess – you know, after you watch a Heisman Trophy winner for so long, you know, make it look easy, um, you, know, you wonder how that's going to turn out. But in one big way, I felt like Jalen Milrow was uh, an upgrade to Alabama, and that's that they struggled running the ball until this last game. The offensive line dominated. They opened up huge holes, and it wasn't just for him. It was also for Gibbs. It looked like old-school Alabama football again. And so maybe they needed that jump start because, you know, he's arguably the best runner on the team. Uh, you know, I'm sure that Gibbs and McQuellen would, would probably want to say, hey, what about us. I mean, they're great too. But uh, it gave Alabama the thing that they've been missing all year, and that's that explosive running. So, um, you know, he got some help from the offensive line. So Alabama in some ways may be tougher than they were going in the last game.
3: Yeah, I think they are. Uh, are you uh, <clears throat> are you going to give the wide receivers maybe the chance that they've got an over-the-top guy? And do you know anything about Tyler Harrell? His foot just doesn't seem to want to cooperate.
5: Yeah, I haven't heard anything about Harrell. I'm going to ask uh, our 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 uh, Alabama beat writer, Clint Lamb, about that tonight on uh, Monday Night Quarterback on the Bama Insider YouTube channel. See what he says. I, I haven't heard anything you know, it's like, I know, uh, you know, just having played sports myself, not at that level, you know, sometimes a, a twisted ankle can take a long time to heal. You know, you, you can walk on it, but then when you try to cut, you know, you, you re-injure it. Um, so I'm not sure. But to me, I mean, having Jojo Earl back in there, I thought made a big difference. And maybe he's that guy that kind of helps open up everything else because where you can put him, maybe you put other guys on the outside. But I think I still I'm still waiting for that Alabama wide receiver that kind of takes over as the number one guy.
4: Based on what you saw on Saturday, who who do you think that is? Is it Holden?
5: Hey, look, he, he he's getting better. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I, mean, I know it's not the answer. you want, but I I just don't know. I. There's just so many dropped balls with this team. You know, that's, that to me is the biggest difference than what we saw over the past, like, seven years, is that, you know, how many times do you see a guy drop a ball? And it's not just one guy. I mean, I like, guess a bunch of different guys that
6: just,
5: you know, right to them and they can't catch it. So, I, I don't know. You know, it could be holding. Um, you know, I, I'm still kind of if – you, if you said, hey, what, you know, your percentage – if you had to put money down, I'd still say that it's I still like Ja'Cory. I just think he's, to me, I, the, the, I, I guess just because of the catch that he made against Auburn and some of the other big catches he made and big spots, he'd probably be the guy, but there's still no clear-cut number one dude.
3: There is a running back. Jameer Gibbs, 18 carries, 206 yards. As you said, it, it looked a lot like an Alabama of old that rushed for over 300 yards. They had over 550 total yards um, and a backup quarterback that can tote it and he can throw it a little bit. Uh, you yeah, know, he had a touchdown pass as well. So it is all good on all fronts for Alabama. We'll see what A&M um, brings to the table this weekend. I, I'm a
4: little worried that the rushing stats are it's kind of fool's gold because of uh, the long runs that inflated those stats. but uh, I know we got a break but uh, on the other side, I want to get a uh, mixed reaction to the fact that, that Brian Harson who was not fired on Saturday on Sunday or Saturday night, um, Brian Harson today made history at Auburn. He made history. He, he Now he is forever stamped at Auburn by what happened this
3: morning. And you have about three minutes to think about that, and then we'll come back and get the answer on the Jay Barker Show.
2: You're listening to the Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX studios in downtown Birmingham. Oh, oh on the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto
0: Parts to recommend the best products for your vehicle and budget. Get maximum cooling. Sunny both days. Highs will stay close to 80. And Thursday, warm and dry with a good supply of sunshine. The high at 83. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
1: situation. Clearly, there's no updates on Bryce. You know, he's got a little bit of a shoulder injury. It's not a long-term, you know, type injury. Uh, he's going to be day-to-day uh, when he can get back to, you know, throwing. Um, and we'll just have to evaluate it day-to-day. So I can't, I can't tell you if that's going to be today, tomorrow, or the next day. So you're interested in the injury situation.
3: anything about anything except this players. He went off a little bit. Did you hear that part? I want to get to Lars' question answer on um, Brian Harson. but um, what did you did? Was Nick in more of a rant mode than you've seen him in a while? Mick?
5: Yeah, I thought he was. I mean, I I thought he was just agitated today. And um, normally that's when maybe there's an injury that's going to affect the team. Maybe that's when he doesn't feel like the team's focused. You know, obviously, um, they're not looking past Texas A&M after everything that happened in the offseason. So the, the thing that led me to think is maybe they're worried and concerned about, you know, how Bryce Young's going to be uh, moving forward. And, you know, and the questions that I think are shared by reporters asking how that's, you know, kind of going to be. But how, how many times has he said, hey, why don't I just tell Jimbo Fisher what we're going to do? And normally when he's uh, kind of a little bit agitated like that, there's a reason behind it. And I'm guessing it's probably the uh, status of the Heisman Trumpy he one in Florida.
4: Mick, I, I think your analysis is once again, absolutely spot on. I I, I think he, uh, I, I think coach Saban is uh, just again, on edge because he realizes he may not have and probably won't have his starting quarterback, his, his the reigning Heisman Trophy winner on Saturday in a game that has been so hyped and so talked about for so long uh, a book is being written about it. There's a movie that looks like it's going to be based on not just this one game, but the rivalry between uh, Nick and Jimbo. But if, if Jimbo keeps losing, uh, I think Holly, Hollywood will lose interest. And uh, I, I I hope the two authors that we're talking about uh, already have their advances and contracts signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so here is the history that Brian Harson, he can one day tell his kids that he made at Auburn. And, um, you know, hey, I, I, everything was up in the air with Brian Harson until Auburn announced that uh, yesterday that Brian Harson uh, was going to be available for media opportunities. Until that point, I didn't know if Harson was going to actually be on campus today. But here it is. Here's the history he made. So since. Uh, a lot of people have been tracking this uh, since betting lines have been tracked since 1976. The biggest deficit or the biggest uh, gap in the series between Auburn and Georgia was last year when Georgia was favored by 15 over Auburn. But now Georgia has nearly doubled that. They are opening as a 29 or 30 point favorite over the Auburn Tigers, and that is obviously the biggest uh, the, the biggest spread since at least 1976. I don't even know if if, if betting lines have been tracked uh, farther uh, further back than that. So Brian Harson history, right? I mean, he, maybe he can put this on the resume, but uh, but <laughs> uh, Mick. Your analysis of what you saw transpire on the plains on Saturday with LSU taking care of Auburn.
5: Yeah, I watched it, um, and and look, I, I picked um, Auburn to cover and lose a came game to LSU on the on the Players Club the show I do with uh, the next round guys. I had a pretty good week. I I I think Brian Hartson is a good coach. Um, I, obviously. They're ready to cut his head off at Auburn. He's like the Ned Stark of Auburn football. He's going to lose no matter what. I mean, he's kind of dead man walking. Um, You know, they cut his legs out from under him. Maybe they should have never hired him in the first place. But uh, I thought they had a pretty good game plan that they, they, they should have probably won the game. I mean, they were up 17. But... I could see it getting ugly against Georgia. I think that next really embarrassing loss will be his last. And I'm curious to see if they could do something like Missouri did and put pressure on the quarterback, you know, and, and, and maybe, you know, stay in the game. You know, I, I watched Missouri and Georgia, too. And uh, I was shocked at how good Missouri was up front against Georgia. Maybe Auburn could do the same thing. But it's never a good time when you're – you know, a 30-point dog to one of your biggest rivals. And, uh, you know, just kind of another sign of, of exactly where Auburn's program is. But i give the guy credit. I mean, they didn't quit um, against LSU. And they put up a good fight, and with everything else going on, you know, that's pretty tough to do. You know, that's pretty tough to do.
3: What did you think about Ashford's performance at as quarterback?
5: Uh, he was okay beginning of the game, obviously a lot better than late in the game. And that and kind of goes back to the same problem that I worry for Milrow, is that it's how good are you at making adjustments when they make adjustments adjustments for your game, you know? So, you know, that's, that's the difference between, you know, um, you know, overcome those. So, you know, did the guy go out there and lose the game for Auburn? I didn't think so. Uh, but it, it's I still think he's got a long way to go before you know you would really worry about him if you were one of the elite teams like Georgia
4: coming up. Speaking of Georgia, Mick, can you do a little uh, deeper dive on what you saw? Uh, Georgia playing Missouri. Uh, look, this is a real dogfight. Georgia ended up having to outscore Missouri 14-3 to in the fourth quarter to win the game 26-22. And I was joking with Matt in the break that uh, Stetson Bennett finally started playing like (laughs) Stetson Bennett. But he actually, his numbers weren't terrible, 24-43, 312 yards. But uh, did we finally see uh, some weakness there uh, out of the Georgia Bulldogs? Look, this is a
5: Georgia team I thought we were going to see at the beginning of the year. The dominant George has been the one that surprised me. I'm just not I'm just not impressed with, you know, a two or a three tight end attack and you know, where your tight ends your running back and your top wide receiver. Seems to me like eventually teams are gonna figure that out. And believe it or not, Bennett is still Steph and Bennett, right? Um <laughs> I don't think it was Steph and Bennett that lost you know, that almost lost the game. I think it was up front. Missouri was affecting everything that Georgia was trying to do, and uh, that was surprising to me. It was probably surprising to them. So uh, I don't think it's—I I don't think there's really any losing game on Georgia's schedule. But with that said, it's the SEC. I agree with Kirby. That's what makes it the best conference. Is even the worst team in your league, Mark Vanderbilt, who I don't think belongs in the SEC, can beat you. Hey, what are you thinking about Ole Miss? Lane Kiffin. Another game I watched. Uh, I thought these were two really good teams. That game turned out exactly the way I thought it would. Uh, and Kentucky really should have won the game. But when you, you know, when, when you got to make a play at the end of the game, it, it, it's tough to do that on the road. Which is really why, when you look at how amazing Bryce Young's been, he's got to make those plays. But they left it out there. You know, they easily could have won the game. But with that said, Lane Kiffin, is doing a heck of a job. He's in the perfect spot for him. His personality, the off-the-field stuff. Uh, I'm sure that he'll be. He'll probably be uh, woed away by someone else and big, you know, money and all that stuff. But I think he could win the championship at Old Men. Uh, and if he stays there. Because people, kids are going to want to go play for him. The way he runs that offense. They're a really good team. I think they might be the second best team in the SEC right now. it be interesting to see what it would look like if they played Georgia. Uh, but if they're not second, they're third. And uh, they're getting better and better. This is, I think this, this old Miss team to me, this program right now under Lane Kiffin, is the best I've ever seen him. You know, even when they had Hugh Free he did a really good job. Uh, and, and I'm and I'm saying Lane Kiffin's becoming he's he's starting to crack into that you know top five coach in the country territory.
4: Yeah, it, it makes one wonder exactly where Lane will uh, eventually end up. Um, Were you surprised by the Mississippi uh, State-Texas A&M game? I mean, Mississippi State really just uh, handing it to uh, the Aggies, 42-24. And who do you think is going to be playing quarterback for A&M when they come into Tuscaloosa on Saturday? Uh,
5: That was the one I got wrong. And I I would have taken um, A&M on the money line and I bet that game. uh, I was shocked. Not only that they lost the game, but that they got beat on both sides of the ball. Uh, that that uh, they couldn't stop Mississippi State. That their offense is bad. I figured they would they would win that game at the line of scrimmage. They didn't do that. And uh, I Texas A&M right now is reeling. You know, obviously, as Nick Saban said in his press conference, you can get a whole lot better when you beat Alabama in a hurry. Uh, and, I, and I could see that this is a uh, back-up-against-the-wall game for, for Texas AM. and I just think Alabama's going to absolutely wipe them out on Saturday. But I, I was shocked by that. Um, I love uh, I love Mike Leach. That whole, you know, talking about the reporter's marriage, uh, probably, in my estimation, inappropriate for the time for her to ask that. But it was funny. Um, I mean, it just shows you where our business is these days, guys. Uh, but anyway, look. Yeah. I I don't know who's going to play quarterback for, uh, for Texas A and M. I they, they they probably think they caught a break with Jalen Milrow being a quarterback. I, I I don't know if that's the case. and I, and honestly, I don't know if Alabama is even going to do that many favors. I, I could see this being one of the most lopsided games that Alabama's had since since Nick Saban's been there. I'm I'm curious to see how upset Nick is. He's not going to tell us. He's not going to show us. We're going to find out on Saturday.
3: Indeed. And everybody's waiting on that one. Has what happened for eight months? Yep. Something like that. All right. Hey, uh, thanks, Mick. Go Braves.
5: Hey, go Braves. Congratulations. What a great end of the season for Atlanta. And I hope they play the Dodgers again in the championship series. I want to see I want to see Olsen again. Freddie.
3: Yep. What? A, there's so many great storylines there. And the most important ones, I absolutely hate the
5: Dodgers. All right, we're going to break. We'll be back. Thank you, Mick. Thank you, Mick. See you guys. Roll Tide.
2: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX studios in downtown Birmingham.
6: One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the US. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option, high intensity focused ultrasound or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for HIFU treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit viturohealth.com.
7: Hi, it's Jay Barker for AVX, Audio Video Excellence. They are the premier provider for custom audio-visual design and installation in the Southeast. AVX seeks excellence in everything it does, including a superior employee experience. AVX offers employees an industry-leading salary, insurance benefits, and 401k options. AVX technicians also receive the highest level certification and continue training, making it one of the most awarded and decorated companies in the industry. Career opportunities are available now for technicians in Birmingham and Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Join the AVX team by contacting them at avxinc.com. white glove type service, you'll love it. Again, it's behambroker.com. Sell your car through behambroker.com or 205-716-1269. built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store you can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook and be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood the number is 800-448-1962 that's 800-448-1962 and just for listening go to dot and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code that's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood are online at Siebel'sCottage.com.
9: Letter O. I see the
1: crystal raindrops fall, and the beauty of it all is when the sun comes shining through to make those rainbows in my mind when I think of you sometime. And I want to back
3: on the Jay Barker show. Our thanks to Mick Gillespie and our own show, Brian Crichton, who is the president of the Super Speedway. Very, very successful weekend. To our east. Lars Anderson in the studio. I'm Matt Coulter. Appreciate all of you folks that uh, have dialed us in this afternoon. Jay is taking a few days off, as I'm sure you were curious. All right.
4: Question. How many NFL coaches have been fired this year?
3: Zero. How many college coaches have been fired this year? Let's see. Tech. I was stunned by Wisconsin's move, but that's that's at least two. I don't know, four? Five. Uh, uh, Scott
4: Frost at Nebraska. Right. He
3: Herm, was the lead story.
4: Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. And then uh, just on this last, uh, just yesterday, another bloody Sunday in the world of college football coaching, Carl Durrell at Colorado and Paul Christ at Wisconsin uh, were let go. And I got to tell you, I think of every single firing this year, uh, Paul Christ at Wisconsin was by far the most surprising to me. Um, Look, Scott Frost, uh, probably the most high profile of all of them who've been fired, but uh, he's been terrible for so long that uh, we knew he was going to be gone if uh, Nebraska didn't get off to a fast start. But you think about Paul Chris, and uh, I mean he's as Wisconsin as like cheese curds and bratwurst, man. He is quintessential Wisconsin. I, I I've been up there several times for uh, different stories over the years, and and when Paul was the uh, OC, I'll never forget. Uh, he had the biggest dip of skull in his <laughs> mouth that I've ever seen. I mean it it, it was like. Uh, I don't know how a, a family of five could have lived in there, <laughs> but um, you know, it's like he, he spent his childhood. He grew right uh, in a in, growing up in a house next to camp Randall and his dad was an assistant coach at Wisconsin. And you look at his record, look at his record, Paul Chris at Wisconsin, 67 and 26 and overall 40 only
3: lost one bowl game,
4: 43 and 18 in the big 10, Won three uh, Big West Division titles and has three top fifteen finishes, but oh no, oh no, none of that matters. They started the season two and three, and uh, and, and and really, uh, you know, they had a ugly home loss on Saturday to Illinois. Who's the head coach of Illinois? Brett, Brett Bielema, Bielema, and who's a former Wisconsin head coach? They go rehiring? And, uh, no. Look, those, there is there is no love loss there between the athletic administration at wisconsin and and Brett Bielema. but th- this feels like uh, a, a a big mistake to me, a big, big, big mistake. This is like what Nebraska did to Frank Solich two years after playing for the national championship and uh, and and Solich was consistently winning nine ten games a year, but that wasn't enough for uh. Fan base that had unrealistic expectations and uh, they let him go. Uh, the program's never been the same since. And now Paul Chris at Wisconsin is out. Um, and I think Wisconsin may be heading down that same path. I, I just think it, it, I, I do not like this trend of, uh, and I don't think anybody does, uh, of uh, coaches being fired before we're even at the halfway mark of the season. And we're talking high profile coaches and, uh, and, and Paul Christ is just the, uh, the, the, the latest. And, um, I mean, what, what are you going to get out of firing him on, on October 2nd? And, uh, and, and, and I loved it. The, the AD at Wisconsin, Chris McIntosh, this, this guy's a piece of work. Um, he uh, delivered a few platitudes uh, in the school's re- uh, uh, press release announcing Chris's firing and uh, saying that, uh, you know that uh, Paul is a man of integrity, he loves his players, he has great respect for him and admiration for Paul and the legacy for him and his family at the University of Wisconsin. but <laughs> and then bye bye. Uh so you said
3: he didn't like the direction the
4: program was headed. Well, it, look, what, every program in the country outside of about 4 that's Alabama <laughs> right now and that's Georgia and that's Ohio State and Kansas. And, and 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 even Clemson has had a little bit of a up and down. Look, you're going to have good years and you're going to have bad years. And um you know, uh, the, 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 buyout that Chris is getting is 16.4 million, but, uh, at, at Wisconsin, a, a school that, uh, prides itself on, on consistency. Um, you know, it, it just, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And then, uh, you look at, at Colorado. Yes. Colorado is in terrible shape. And so I understand why they fired Durrell. But you know what? He was the Pac twelve coach of the year as recently as twenty twenty. I it mean, is, what uh, the, what the hell is going
3: on? It's not what have you <laughs> done for me lately, it's what you did last night. It's just amazing. I'm with you on the Chris You know what when something like this happens that I, I, I'm really confused about, because you you read the man's credentials. Yeah. This guy can coach and he's one hundred percent badger. Yeah. Okay? I really and he's but, just
4: a good guy.
3: I I really I don't know. Does it not make you think something
4: else? Yeah, you know what I think. I think there is this Lance Leopold hiring derby going on that's taking shape. Lance uh, Lance Leopold, for those who don't know, is the head coach of Kansas. Somehow, some way. And and maybe the the best story in college football right now is in Lawrence, Kansas, because uh, Leopold has them off to a miraculous five and zero start in just his second season uh, in what I think is the hardest power five job in the country. And he is uh, he could be the object of desire at Nebraska could be the object of desire at Wisconsin. He's a Midwest guy. Uh, uh, Leopold, he, he grew up in, in Wisconsin. Uh, he was a grad assistant with the Badgers. Uh, he won Division Three championships at Wisconsin Whitewater. And so what if this was a sort of almost a, a preemptive fire to make sure that they don't get behind Nebraska in the bidding war for Lance Leopold? Because I guarantee you Leopold's going to be at one of two places next year, either in Lincoln really? or in uh, Madison. And then yeah. Matt Campbell and
3: I, would be at the I, other one?
4: I don't... Yeah, I mean, look, I got so much crap over tw- Twitter. I, I, I got to be just be done with Twitter. Because, <laughs> look, my, my sources still at Nebraska are telling me, and I know that, that we're going too far on this because our, our, our listeners want to hear about Alabama and Auburn and all that. But, uh, look, I, I, I said that, that Matt Campbell... According to my sources, is is, is Nebraska's number one, one A, one B target, and just because uh, Kansas beats uh, Iowa State and Lance Leopold beats Matt Campbell, suddenly, oh look, you're such a dumb sob for saying that, Lars. Well, w- w- whatever. It, it, one Did game. Do they
8: curse that? You really?
3: Oh yeah. Just go check the, out my Twitter. The nerve fan. of people. I, no, I get your post, but. I don't read everybody else's. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So they'll call you a whatever they want. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, of course. How rude. Have you?
4: Hey, man. It's, 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 Twitter is like the, the cesspool uh, of life. Listen, an, uh, <laughs> and, and you know what? It's, it's not nest-
3: just on Twitter. And I, I'm going to do a little Matt rat here. When you're around groups of people and there's. These days, there's always one guy that just wants to drop the F-bomb every sentence. Yeah. And he doesn't care if there's a small child there. By the way, this did not happen at Talladega. Everybody's going to think that's happened. Happened a couple, three weeks ago. And then it happened again in another setting. And and I'm beyond it. Sir, there's a lady standing right there with a child. Or if there's just a lady. I can't... I'm yeah, sorry, I guess you can tell. It, it drives me crazy when people have such little respect for others that they will just curse and say anything they want. Yeah, and and social makes that so much
4: easier because you can be such a tough guy uh, and uh, and say things to another person that you would never say to their face.
3: Do you cuss back at them? Oh, of course
4: not. Take the high road, man. Good. Um, I knew the answer no, to that no, question. I, mean, I just want uh, to make sure everybody else did. I mean, you know, uh, just people misquoting what I've said in the past. And, and look, I got, uh, I just get frustrated talking about this. I got the the Scott Frost tire right. I got the uh, Fred Hoiberg. I was the first one on both of those. I was the first one to get the baseball coach right. And I missed on the AD. But, uh, good Look, track record I, I know I, I know what I'm doing and uh and even though I'm based in Alabama <laughs> I still know about half of the athletic department in in Nebraska because I went to school with them I know lawyers in Nebraska I know rich people in Nebraska Warren Buffett? yeah I do not know his, Warren his Buffett I do, need... do you follow his
7: Twitter feed
4: <laughs> I don't even know if I, he does hey uh, all right. Let's get back on to uh, Alabama. We're going to finish out right. the, the the show by really giving our uh, analysis of what we saw, our takeaways from Saturday. How about that? That's wonderful. The Jay Barker Show.
9: Yeah. Yeah.
8: You're
2: listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham.
0: Roll Tide, the best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama Alabama sports. Sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. What QC Kinetics is doing for people here is nothing short of amazing. I'm talking real lasting relief from joint pain. Hey, it's Gary Harris. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in exciting new pain treatment. Sunny both days. Highs will stay close to 80. And Thursday, warm and dry with a good supply of sunshine. The high at 83. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
10: Back on the Jay Barker Show.
3: Jay's taking a couple of days off. Good for him. We got Matt and Lars in the glacial studios of ABX. And our usual cast of characters, including uh, Joe Hardy and Josh. All right, Lars. You you want to grade out on Alabama? Let's say 100 is the perfect score since you will be a professor tomorrow. Are your tests based on 1 to 100? No. Do you gain them like that? Uh-huh. Or is it just A, B, C? No. All right, then tell me.
4: <laughs> it's a complicated method. Uh, a certain amount of points. So, yeah, essentially it's a, B, C. Uh, I did a A, B, C, D, F. There's no E. Where's the E? Why isn't there an E in grading? Uh, I don't know. They made an <laughs> error. I <laughs> uh, never thought about that until just right now. Um, look, uh, I, I think overall you'd give Alabama uh, a. B plus for their performance, maybe even an a minus because the fact that they lost uh, Bryce Young um, and uh, and look, I mean, Arkansas at one point reeled off 23 uh, straight points and they got within five in the third quarter, 28, 23 and thinking, hey, this is a ball game. And then uh, Jalen Milrow uh, started to look like Jalen hurts uh, 2.0 and uh, made some big plays. And we know Gibbs made some big plays, and uh, Alabama wins 49-26. And it's my feeling, and this is just pure speculation, that uh, I think they'll sit Bryce against uh, Texas A&M, which is uh, the CBS primetime game, seven, probably kickoff at about 7.15 or so on Saturday night. But I think if you look at the schedule, right, Third Saturday in October. Where does Alabama go?
3: Knoxville.
4: Yeah, and they lead the conference with 48.5 points a game, and we both love their quarterback, Hooker, who is as impressive off the field as he's been on the field. I heard. Did, let and, me
3: just stop you real quick. Did you hear the interview he did with Feinbaum? Uh, or, no. Or you've heard you, you him told, in an interview? Yeah, yes. He was one of the more impressive athletes I've ever seen heard and i've been covering this sport for 40 years he oh and such credit to his father and his faith i i could really kind of go man crush on you here yeah well that's good um and 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 look the volunteers are
4: starting to play better on defense so uh do you want to try to save bryce young for that game thinking that you can uh you can beat al or sorry you can beat uh, Texas A and M with Milrow, I, I think that's the direction they're going to go in. Perhaps in a in an emergency, you put Bryce in if things are going really bad on Saturday night. I don't think they where, will. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Um, but uh, but but Alabama can beat A and M with Milrow. But here's the thing: Bryce Young is the one player on this team right now that lifts Alabama from a good, very very good team to a great team, a team capable of winning the national championship. I don't think Alabama will need Bryce young this Saturday, but at some point Alabama is going to have to be great this season. And that could come against Tennessee on the road in a very, very difficult environment. And so, um, you know, again, my, my overall takeaway is, is is Milrose ready. He's ready. He's a good backup
3: that was a great situation for him.
4: Yeah. I mean, nothing great on, about anybody
2: on,
3: on the road, getting, hurt. uh, getting yeah. quality
4: snaps. I mean, what a good experience. And, and, uh, again, I, I fully expect him to be the starter on Saturday.
3: I do too, but you, you hit on something a minute ago that I was going to share as well. I think Bryce will dress and I think he will be available. And and if by some bizarre reason, AM gets up or, or is making, I, I think you could see young. I do too, uh, but I don't. I think that's the last thing they want to do for the reasons you gave about Tennessee, and I think that is the way it's going to end up playing
4: out. Yeah, and uh, I think overall, uh, Alabama five games through the season. Look, uh, at one point they fell from one to two, and now they're back up at number one in the country, and I think that's where they belong. And 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 really, uh, the the top teams, Matt, are it, it's it's kind of been the. A chalk in in terms of how we thought things were going to play out. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and then pick your pick your fourth team there. I mean, it could be Michigan. Uh, I I think it's going to be Clemson, frankly, because Clemson doesn't play anybody essentially uh-huh. for the rest of the year. I think Clemson is going to make it into the playoffs. Uh, but uh, yeah, and we're. Not even halfway through the season, but what a fun Saturday. Uh, NFL was great on Sunday. Yep. Packers and, uh, won. Did you watch that one? Yeah, I did. I did. Rodgers uh, in
3: overtime.
4: Those, and those young receivers are starting to understand what Aaron Rodgers is all about.
3: Well, and it's right, a man. lot of
4: fun.
0: See you guys tomorrow. See you tomorrow, to man. All right. Good deal. Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance.